Are you a follower of Jesus Christ who's done being quiet? Are you ready to tell the world whose you are, totally, fearlessly, and unapologetically? And are you ready to smash that imaginary wall that supposedly divides your career and faith life? Welcome to the C-Suite for Christ podcast, where we talk about living as a disciple of Christ in the world of work. Before we get to the content we have in store for you today, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Are you a Christian-based organization? Well, so are we, and we're here to serve you. We want to help you with your mission, so please visit ParagonMarketingGroup.com to see how we can help. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to the C-Suite for Christ podcast. I am Paul M. Newberger, your host today, and also the founder of C-Suite for Christ. What a blessing it is to have you. One of the things that I would encourage you to do is, as you're listening to this podcast, if this episode is a blessing to you, please do not keep this to yourself. This is a heavy world, a troubled world, a stressful world, a world where we as Christians can't necessarily tell the world whose we are without facing something like political correctness or cancel culture. So one of the ways that we encourage each other, educate each other, inspire each other, witness to each other is by sharing God's word. So if this podcast is a blessing to you, if you like the conversation that we're having today, please do share this with other people in your orbit. Our guest today is going to be Skip Reinke. He's the president of Paragon Marketing Group. He's been one of the founding members of C-Suite for Christ, and he's also one of the sponsors of this podcast. So you're going to love hearing from him. He's an inspirational man, to say the least. Speaking of inspiration, I, I am inspired by entrepreneurs who take risks. And maybe you are as well, too. And I think to some degree, these individuals get a bad rap from society. I'm not going to get overly political in this podcast because I don't think it's necessary. But, you know, when you watch things on TV, there are certain political parties, certain politicians that talk about the 1%, that talk about the wealthy paying their fair share, that really just like to go after successful business people. And to some degree, I think that's a bit of a shame because we should not be demonizing successful business people. We should not be demonizing successful entrepreneurs. If anything else, we should be celebrating them. What can we learn from their exploits? How can we have a similar level of success? Hard work, ambition, risk-taking, whatever the case may be, I think society as a whole should be glorifying these people to some degree, not castigating these people. And the reason I bring that up is I have had some interesting experiences with entrepreneurship myself, and maybe you can relate. But one of the things that I struggle with, and I use the word struggle purposely, is ambition. Now, Paul, what do you what does that mean? Why would you be struggling with ambition? I mean, isn't that something that you should be 
aspiring for? And the answer is, yeah. I mean, you've got a lot of people in this world today that are not ambitious, that would just be happy sitting on the couch playing video games all day long. But the reason I say struggle is sometimes ambition can get the better of me. You know what I mean? Just not being satisfied where you are, wanting to grow, wanting to achieve, wanting to accomplish, wanting to earn, wanting to produce. And again, used correctly, used in moderation, that can actually be a wonderful thing. But if it gets the better of you, it can be very tough personally and professionally. And like I said, I think I'm a lot better than where I am before. I mean, I I still want to achieve. I still want to do. But it's not an all-encompassing obsession like it was just 10 years ago. You see, I, I spent the first eight or nine years of my professional career as a fundraiser, colleges, universities, high schools. Then following the sudden tragic passing of my father-in-law, it just uh, reminded me that if people, basically just reminded me life is fragile. And if you don't dot your I's and cross your T's, when God calls you home, it could put your family in a pretty difficult spot. So following the passing of my father-in-law, I became a certified financial advisor with Thriving Financial. I loved it. I, I, I love, I loved financial advising. It was tough. There was a lot to learn. It was very important. Plus, I loved serving Thrivent Financial. It is a financial organization that puts Christ first. Faith and finances. What, what, what a unique combination, but I loved it. And again, my, my ambitious streak was all encompassing in those first eight months to a year. And, and I, I had a lot of success early. I really did. Because again, I, I had a powerful why. You know, people ask you that. Why do you do what you do? I want to take care of my family, some people say. I like people, some people say. And then that, and that's good. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But I had a deeper why, because I just lost my father-in-law, and it was a very stark reminder of what can potentially happen if people don't prepare in advance for situations like that. So accordingly, I wrote a lot of life insurance. One of the companies that I own is called The Cold Call Coach, so I've always been very good at picking up the phone and getting in front of who I want, when I want, for whatever reason I want. So I would be able to schedule a lot of appointments from time to time. I can be a pretty personable guy. I got a powerful story, a lot of passion based on what I'm doing. So I would write a lot of business. I started to make decent money. I started to say, hey, I'm pretty good at this thing. And I also started to get very, very busy. I was working really long hours, nights, weekends sometimes. And again, because it was just me. I started to think, man, I, I should add to my team. I should get an executive assistant. Maybe I could get another financial advisor to help me, somebody to help me manage this relationship, someone to do some of the bookkeeping, the administrative tasks. I mean, the list went on and on and on. But one of the things that I started to really do is get very, very confident, kind of getting high in my own supply, I suppose. I got this. I'm really good at this. This is just going to continue. So what I did is I went very, very big, very, very quickly against the advice of everybody. And I mean, everybody, not a single person said what I was doing was a good thing. My boss, my associates, the other financial advisors that I was sharing an office with at that time, my parents, my wife, 
some of the other people in my life, Paul, don't do this. But what I did, again, assuming that the good times were going to keep rolling, I signed a 30-year lease on a very large office. I mean, I mean, this office probably had room for 12 employees, and it was just me. I know, I know. It's embarrassing to say this because, you know, it's a stupid decision. Stupid decision. Anyway, I did that. And then you had to get furniture for the office, which I did. I hired an executive assistant. I brought on a couple of other, I brought on an intern. Um, anyway, the, the expenses were enormous. Enormous. I mean, if, if I did $15,000 in revenue that month, which for a lot of people is a pretty good month. If I did $15,000 in revenue that month, I was still probably about $10,000 in the red. What started to happen is I started to fall behind. My bank account dried up. My credit cards got maxed out. I didn't really go into this with lines of credit or banking relationships. I wasn't savvy enough to know that that might be a good thing. So after about a year of doing this, I had virtually nothing. There's no money to pay the mortgage. There's no money in my checking account. There's I, 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 On more than one occasion, I bounced a payroll check and I had to explain to my team what happened. Oh, the bank made a mistake, whatever. I'll, I'll take care of that. But what started to happen during that time is every decision that I made was through the lens of money. Every decision that I made was looking at life through how do I get more money? How do I monetize this situation? Where can I get a couple of thousand bucks? And the problem with that is that really started to dictate my behavior. I started to not spend as much time with my family because I was glorifying money. Well, honey, I'd love to watch that TV show with you, but, but I, I got to send out a couple of emails. Otherwise, I'm going to bounce a payroll check. Money, 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 money. I started to go after certain types of prospects and clients based on the amount of money I thought I could get from them. Oh, here's this person who's calling me and sending me emails, and she seems like a sweet old lady, but there's only about $100 in commission there. I'm going to ignore her, and I'm going to go after these bigger fish. Money, 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 money. Started to tell my wife no on just about everything. Paul, it's our son's birthday. Can I spend $200? No, see if you can stretch $20. Money, 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 money. Paul, it's Sunday morning. Hey, it's time for us to go to church. Yeah, you know, but this is the only time that this guy could meet with me. So we're going to put church on hold and I'm going to spend time with this person. Money, 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 money. I mean, it just, money became everything because I needed it. And that's how I justified it. You know, if I don't close more business, we're going to lose our house. You know, if I don't close more business, I'm going to lose the office. You know, if we don't close more business, I won't be able to provide for my family. Money became everything. Money became what I chased. Money became what I went after. Money became what I was all about because I needed it so desperately. And I was able to hang on for a while, but... Uh, one of the things that uh, came about around this time is my talent for cold calling became pretty well known. And I saw a business opportunity. I went after it. And when I went after the cold call coach, it freed me up from some of my financial obligations. I mean, I, I still had to settle with a lot of people and take care of things. And that was kind of a painful time because there was so much in debt. 
but I was able to navigate that. And I'll tell you, that was one of the best learning experiences in my life. It's helped make me the man I am today. It's made me the business person I am today. It's made me the entrepreneur that I am today. It's made me the coach I am today because I had to learn that really valuable lesson. But I would say the most valuable lesson that I learned had nothing to do with the professional realm, but everything to do with the spiritual realm. And it really is crystallized in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Who are you serving today? Which one are you loving today and which one are you hating today? And I hope that question convicts you because too many of us are chasing the almighty dollar. Now, if you are and you're making decisions based on money and thinking about money and worshiping money and stressing out about money, here's a newsflash. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not a bad person. You're not failing as a Christian. This is a common thing, which is why we're talking about it today on the C-Suite for Christ podcast, especially if you're a business executive chasing money for your family, chasing money for your business, maintaining a positive cash flow, making sure that your profitability and your EBITDA and all these things are working well. Believe me, I get it. But we just have to be honest with ourselves about what's going on, because if all you do is think about money, if all you do is chase money, if all you do is dwell on money, you're starting to push out God. Well, Paul, I still pray. Well, Paul, I go to church. Well, Paul, I spend time in the devotional. But our God is a jealous God, and he wants all of our attention to himself. That doesn't mean we can't love others and spend time with others. That's not what I'm talking about. But idol worship, that's a sneaky thing. Before you know it, without even making a conscious decision, you are making decisions based on one thing. And if you're making just about all of your decisions based on money. We can't afford that. We can't afford that. I'm going to take this job for money. I'm going to make this risk for money. I'm going to go in this direction for money. Guess what? You're worshiping money. You're serving money. Yes, have a family budget. Yes, be practical. Yes, do what's in your family's best interest from a financial perspective, but don't make decisions choices, and determinations based primarily on money, do it based on God. Because guess what? That money ain't yours. That talent ain't yours. That ability that you have ain't yours. You only have the talents that you have because God generously bestowed it upon you. You only have the opportunities that you have right now because God generously bestowed that upon you. Because he's given you these talents, because he's given you these opportunities, because he's placed these people, these organizations, these employees, these prospects, these clients in your life, 
You've only been able to monetize them based on what he's given you. So give it back. God, what do you want me to do with this money? God, what do you want me to do with these talents? God, what do you want me to do with these abilities? God, what do you want me to do with these opportunities? God, what do you want me to do with these things that you brought into my life? Let him give you the clarity. Because here's the thing. If you serve God first, the money will come. If you serve God first, the opportunities will come. If you serve God first, the clarity will come. You start running into trouble when you serve money first. Because here's the thing. I've been a believer my entire life. Now, I haven't necessarily been on fire for Christ like I am right now. But when I was telling you that thriving story, guess how many times I prayed for clarity on what decisions I should make? None. I mean, I prayed for need. God, I need money. God, I need help. God, I need clients. And that was stupid. I was praying after the fact. I should have been praying before the fact. God, I'm having a lot of success. God, I'm off to a good start. God, I'm thinking about expanding. What would you have me do? God, I'm having a lot of success. God, I'm bringing value to a lot of people. God, I'm, I'm really providing a high level of customer service. Where should I go as a result of that success? But I didn't. I saw the opportunity to make a lot of money. I pursued it. I saw the opportunity to grow quickly, so I pursued it. And then pretty soon, I'm in the wrong spot. I've fallen behind. And now every decision that I made was pretty much through the lens of, will this make me more money? Not, will this make me a better Christian? Is this what God wants me to do? Can I be a better servant leader? Can I touch more lives? That was never part of the equation. In fact, I, I was a bit of an a-hole. Wasn't spending time with my wife because I needed money. Was very impatient in meetings because I needed money. Was neglecting wonderful human beings that probably needed my assistance, but because there was not a lot of commission in it, I went the other direction. It's not fun to admit that to you, but that's what we're all about at C-Suite for Christ, transparency, humility, and honesty. You cannot serve two masters. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Who are you serving today? And as a busy business executive, it is easy to get those lines blurred. Don't do it. Serve God and watch how much clarity that you get. We're going to take a very quick break, but we're going to be back with Skip Reinke, the president of Paragon Marketing Group, and he's got a story to tell about this as well. You're not going to want to miss that. C-Suite for Christ podcast. We'll be right back.
Well, welcome back, everybody, to the C-Suite for Christ podcast, and very excited to let you know that uh, our guest today, as I've already been saying, is here with us. But before we turn it over to him, again, I just wanted to invite you to be a part of this conversation moving forward. Covering the world in crisis, you can probably imagine, ain't easy, especially with some of the societal forces out there. We are stronger together. We are better together. And this is something that we really can't do by ourselves. So please just go to our website, csweetforchrist.com. I don't really care what you do. Just do something. Become a member, join a ministry, check us out on YouTube, engage with us on social media, just become a part of that conversation. Because if you're a part of that conversation, you're going to meet awesome individuals like our guest here today. It's uh, Skip Reinke. He's the president of Paragon Marketing Group and one of the sponsors of this here podcast. Skipper, how are you, sir? I am absolutely outstanding, Paul. How about yourself? Well, if I was any better, I'd be you. Oh, wow. That is, then that would be, that'd be great. That'd that be would awesome. be, that would be too yeah. much excellence and I would just <laughs> magically explode. Right, exactly. Yeah. So we're going to be careful of that. But Skip, as you know, uh, we're unpacking a very important verse, and this is what we've dedicated today's episode mm-hmm. to, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I think this is a a pretty important verse for a lot of people in the business community to pay attention to. Skip, what does Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 mean to you? You know, Paul, this verse is one that that really keeps me grounded, keeps my feet on the the path uh, that God paved for me, you know, and and for my business. But it, it helps to remind me that why I started my business to begin with and focusing on what I was called to do by serving others first. Um, God gave me talents that I have, and, and, and I use them accordingly for, for, for him first, but not, not for the almighty dollar, not, not for the paychecks. Um, it's, it's to use what he gave me for the betterment of others around me and, and to help them and to help them move forward with their businesses, you know, with and other clients and, and, and in charities or in my church, you know, it's just to always serve others before you serve the almighty dollar. Yeah, well said. I'm going to push you on this one a little bit because I, I, I think, and again, everything you said is correct, but, but let's be real here. I mean, the, the temptation is certainly there. And one of the things that I admire about you, Skipper, as well as Paragon Marketing Group is, I mean, you guys are a very solid organization doing wonderful stuff, but your organization has taken off. I mean, you've grown, you have multiple offices, you're adding people to your team, so you're, you're mm-hmm. doing well professionally, how difficult is it for you not to serve this money master? Because again, you know, it it can be kind of intoxicating. Holy cow, look at this deal that I closed. Holy cow, look at the money that's coming in. Money buys stuff, money opens up doors. And like I said, it can be a drug that once it gets in your veins, can be kind of hard to get out of there. So as a Mm -hmm. successful business owner, how difficult is it for you, my friend, not to serve the money master? Well, it can definitely be challenging at times. I mean, because, you know, every single day you're faced with something in the business that has to do with money, you know, regardless whether it's your accounts payable, your accounts receivable, taxes, you know, your payroll costs, the sales. I mean, you're, it's always there in your profit and loss. I mean, the list goes on and it goes on and you're, you're engulfed by it. I mean, it, you, you, can't, you can't run from it. it it's there. Um, but then there's always the side of, you know, having to provide for the individuals that are in the family that work for you, 
um, their livelihoods, they're, they depend on the paycheck. So money is, is inescapable. But, you know, I think what we do is we, we draw our focus away from the money um, by turning it to the faith and, and knowing that, you know, that God has, he's got a plan for us. And he has our back, you know, he's going to provide money for us. He's going to, he's going to make sure that you know, in the fashion that he chooses and, and not when and how much we want. Um, and so, you know, I have the old mantra, you know, I don't need to make a million bucks. Um, you know, I just want to serve people. And that's, that's really our, our focus is on it. The money's going to, the money's going to be there, whether, when God wants to give it to us. Um, but we focus on the service first. Um, because if you, if you continue and you focus on money, you're going to start, that's when you're going to start challenging some of those values, you know, and one of our values is ethical and, and we don't, we, every decision we make faith being number one, but ethical is number two. And so if you start focusing on money, you can infer the commission or for the extra dollars, that's when you can start challenging that. And we, we don't, we don't go outside of that. Yeah, that's for sure. And again, we're unpacking Matthew chapter six, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and and money. And Skip, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about this scripture in particular, I mean, when we talk about idols, there can be a variety of idols. I mean, you can worship celebrity status, you can worship titles, you could worship politicians. I mean, there, there's so much. I mean, you look at the at scripture, I mean, they, they were actually making golden calves that people were idolizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I find interesting about this piece of scripture, of all the things that God could have talked about with respect to idolizing and really kind of worshiping, oftentimes God and Jesus talk about money. So they knew that this would have a pull on our lives. They knew that this would be mm-hmm. a challenge, which is why they talk about it so much. Absolutely. So Skip, Skip, from your perspective, why does money have such a pull on us? And if we're not careful, how destructive can this pull be? You know, not- not having money can make life pretty difficult. You know, I mean, it, it's, it, I can remember a time when I wasn't making much money at all. And, and I focused on it constantly. I mean, it, it actually became the center of everything I was partly because of the fact that, that others around me were so motivated by money um, that it actually became pretty infectious to my personality at the time. I was in my twenties. I was kind of impressionable you know, and I, and I was hanging around people that were like, Hey, you can make all this money. And, you know, I wanted the nice things that these, that these people had. And I wanted to go to the nice places, you know, that these people that, that they were going to. So I was basically trying to make myself into somebody that I wasn't. And I was going down a path that I wasn't supposed to go down because it wasn't God's plan. You know, I was trying to write my own plan. I was trying to pave my own roads because I was smarter than anything. So in my own wisdom at that point in time. So being pulled by money can be really, really destructive because it can actually make you lose sight of who you are, you know, whose you are. Well, you, we tell, you say that all the time. It's not, you know, and whose you are, but it's, it's what you're and what you're supposed to do with your life and ultimately lose sight of God because you make money the God. We know we're not supposed to do it. I mean, he says, do not do that, but I in turn did it. And because I let it, I let the, I let the devil drive a wedge in there really fast. Um, and, and just 
clamped me down with it. And I, and I took me a little, it took me years to get out of that. Um, until one day when I lost it, I didn't have any money. I mean, I literally was, uh, I lost pretty much everything. Um, I was living in a hotel room. I had one cheeseburger a day, you know, and I had to build myself back up. And I thought, you know what? It's about, it's not about money anymore. I mean, it literally wrecked you. It's got to be, it's got to be about what you do for people, not, not how much you make. Well, I appreciate you sharing that information with us. And, and it, it, it's easy to kind of see how people get caught in that uh, vicious emotional pull, however, because as you said, as a business owner, you have employees, you have a family, you've got hobbies, and you know that without money, you can't keep your employees happy. Without money, you can't keep your family happy. And all of a sudden, the common denominator becomes money equals happy. And then when you don't have money, those things start to suffer. But to your point, where we start to lose sight of things is we wouldn't have that money if not for God. And, you know, part of the reason the Paragon is so successful is not necessarily because of you, Skip. And I know you know where I'm coming from, but, you know, Mm -hmm. God created you to perform a certain task with a certain set of skills. And because you're using the skills that God gave you, you're able to take care of your employees and take care of your family. So it's not so much the money that equals happiness. It's God that equals happiness. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, when you're sitting there in a hotel room, eating a single cheeseburger a day, because you don't have the money, it's easy to get that confused for, um, for our listeners that might be stuck in that money worship cycle. And again, you're not a bad person. If that describes you, it's a common thing. A lot of people suffer from it. But for our listeners right now that might be going through that, can you give them two, maybe even three practical tips on how they can start to break that hold that money might have on them? Yeah, I can. A couple of things that I do uh, that might help others is the first thing is I view everything with gratitude over greed. Um, You know, we have to stop and, and take time to reflect on, like you just said, we have to stop and take time and reflect what God provided us. This is so critical to break to break the hold that that money can have on you. Um, I like to take time every single day and just think about what God has done for me, what He provides for me. I look around my home, I look at my family, I look at my business and my family. There, I call them my family. I look at the food in my freezer and so on and so on. And I know that none of that would be there without the grace of God that He provides these things for me because this is what I need when I need it. Um, and I, I also like to take a look around at some other things that I do, you know, like I look at my car, my guitar collection, places that I visited. And I really think to myself, man, I just don't deserve this. You know, I just, I don't deserve this, but God is looking over me and he's providing this for me because he thinks that I, I do deserve it. Um, and, and I just live that with gratitude. The second thing that I do from time to time is think to myself, okay, everything I have has just been taken from me. I no longer have my home. I no longer have any money. I don't have any possessions. And then I just ask myself this question. You have to start over. Do you know God will carry you through? And then how do you, how do you feel? What would that look like? And when the dust settles from that question and you just kind of think about that, I know that I would be fine because I would still have my wife by my side. Um, I'd still have my family, but I would have, I know that God has my back. Um, and that just reiterates that I know that he's there. And then last, I think it's just, it, it helps to remind yourself that money's just an object and you can't take it with you when, when you go to meet Jesus. I mean, you're not going to get into heaven any faster whether you got 10 bucks or you got 10 million. Um, it, it doesn't do anybody any good by having all the money in the world when it's all said and done. I mean, Jesus isn't going to stand there and say, skip, give me a 20, come on in. You know, it's, it's just, 
it's not going to do it. So it's there's just money. It has no bearing. They're just little pieces of paper. And it says no bearing on my eternal home. So I just, if you don't value it that much, it doesn't become an object. It doesn't become an idol. Yeah. And I think that's some, some really good advice. And I think when you're a business owner, when you're an entrepreneur, when you're executive, I'm, I'm not saying this is true for everybody, but, but people in those situations tend to be alpha men, alpha women. We're hard charging. We're very competitive. And it, it's easy to get caught up in that accumulation race. It's easy to get caught up and look at what I did. And uh, just to kind of piggyback on what you said, that's all really great advice. One of the things that I've had to do to uh, remember that it's not so much me that's doing these things. Every time an invoice gets paid, every time a check comes in the mail, every time PayPal says uh, a client sent me money, the very first thing that I do is a sign of the cross. Because I remember that I wouldn't have had that opportunity if not for God. And if we get in the habit of doing something like that first, kind of like what you had said about that Thanksgiving, I think that's going to put us in that right spot. And then the other thing that I thought about, because you talked about gratitude, there's, there's so many times <clears throat> that we lose that sense of gratitude that I, I'm, I'm kind of reminded about this. Like when I wake up, Paul, what if you had today everything that you thank God for yesterday? Some days I wouldn't have anything because mm -hmm. some days I, I forget to be thankful for some of the blessings that I have. So, yeah, I think those are very good insights that you had to share there. One of the things that um, you might have heard, Skip, from time to time, and it's just amazing how many like debates I get in with, with people about this. But, you know, you hear all this talk about money and, you know, uh, the Bible verse about uh, uh, you'd have an easier time putting a camel through the eye of a needle than a rich person getting into heaven. For, for some reason, a lot of people out there think that God despises rich people. Based on your interpretation, does he and why or why not? I don't think God despises rich people as much as he despises what rich people don't do with the blessings he bestowed upon them in the form of wealth. Um, I, I believe that, you know, I firmly believe that it's my duty to help others um, in the world, whether it's physically or in a monetary way. I believe that, that since God has bestowed upon me the ability to earn some extra money that I need to help use those dollars to help other people, whether it's a tie to church or a larger donation to a charity finding a needy family or you know, anything along those lines just to kind of help out. I mean, I'm even one of those guys that when he's going through the drive-thru, he'll buy somebody's lunch behind him because I just think that it's really kind of fun because you, first off, you see them smile in your rearview mirror. They're like, you made their day. And even for one minute, it, whatever, we all have burdens, we all have weights, we all have things that are on our mind. For that fleeting minute, just, you know, you, you made somebody's day. You know, it made them happy. You passed on some kindness. And maybe they pass it on to 10 people. You had a whole chain going down through the McDonald's line. Who knows? But it's nice to spread the kindness. But I think God gets angry with people and maybe even sad that when he bestows wealth upon them, that they don't that they don't help others, that they believe that the money they have is due to them, you know, maybe for some reason that and that they shouldn't have to help anybody or give money to other people or help any you know, help do anything along those lines. I think it just upsets God. Um, and I think it, like I said, I think it probably saddens him. Because he loves his children and he knows that these people have the ability to help, but they're not doing it. And I, and I think that just it, it just causes maybe a, a little bit of a, a heavy heart on God, you know, because he, he wants us to help serve each other and help each other. Well, to ask the question that all of our listeners are undoubtedly asking themselves right now, what does Skip Reinke get in the McDonald's drive through? <laughs> I only go for breakfast. 
because I I only get breakfast there. It's usually egg McMuffin with the hash brown and a small half decaf, half regular coffee. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a I've got a big weakness for those sausage egg and cheese biscuits. Oh boy. Oh, oh yeah, those are good. I love okay. me some biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're we're quickly running out of time here, Skipper. So the, this last question is is one that could really uh, necessitate a, a little bit more of a lengthier response. But you know, I, I think part of the reason why money, in particular, is such a hold on people is because of how society, the media, pop culture, glamorize it. Man, you you can't watch a music video without somebody with like a. 56 carat chain blinding you and you know the desperate housewives of wherever they're living in these mcmansions so you know from your opinion why does society glorify money to the extent that it does and i don't want to be cynical or conspiratorial here but is that intentional or is it merely a coinky dink i don't really don't think that it's glamorized i think it's massively glamorized um and it's, and of course, you know, and, and I, it's done intentionally. I mean, because it, it motivates, they, they think that it motivates people to do things. You know, for example, I, I see a speaker sometimes on my social reel um, and he talks about how he's made millions and millions of dollars and he started it all with $1,000 and you can do the same thing if you get into my program and shows bundles of money and doing stuff from an airplane. And so you're wooed into the thought of, you know, you can have all this money and all this happiness it will bring you, but will it? I mean, the old saying, does money buy you happiness come to mind here? You know, will it buy you happiness? Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. I mean, maybe the program will make you a millionaire. Maybe it won't. I don't know. But, but if that's all you're focused on and that's all you think about, what trap are you falling into? I mean, it's nice to have money. Don't get me wrong. It's nice to have money from success and, and hard work. I mean, and, and of course, it makes things easier in life. But there's something to be said. <laughs> Millionaire-sized bank accounts have millionaire-type problems. and you know, it's, yeah, they, they really do glamorize the heck out of it, but you know, you just got to be happy with what you have and be grateful for what you have and know that no matter what you, no matter what you do, God's got you. So if you, if you go through life that way, let them glamorize it, let them do whatever they want, but don't, don't live for the money. Don't serve the money, serve others and serve God. Yeah, no, it's well said. And real quick before we let you go, that reminds me of uh, back when I used to have a, a little bit more of a life before I started owning a couple of businesses and had children and everything else when I was single, whatever year that was, 2008, when the Milwaukee Brewers really started to, to turn things around and they made the playoffs for the first time. I'll tell you, that was the year they got CC Sabathia. Again, whatever year that was. And man, I was watching every single flipping Brewers game. I mean, I lived and died with that team. And I remember the, the day that they clinched the playoffs. I was in my apartment and they were celebrating on the field and champagne and everything else. And I just, I just remember getting a disappointed sinking feeling. And I remember asking myself, is this it? I mean, I, I've watched four <laughs> months of games. I've given up my entire life for what? I mean, this, is this it? And, and I think you're exactly right. I, I think that's what a lot of rich people end up saying. Not all, but some. You know, I, 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 mm-hmm. I have a broken wife. I don't see my kids. I, you know, I've made a lot of bad decisions. For what? Is this it? But, but I, I can guarantee you, when you see God at the pearly gates, you're never going to be asking yourself that question. Is this it? So I think this was some very good advice from a very wonderful person. Skip Reinke, the president of Paragon Marketing Group. Buddy, you're a blessing to me personally. Thank you for all the great stuff you do for C-Suite for Christ. And we really appreciate you sharing some insight today. Man, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun.
Absolutely. Well, you're listening to the C-Suite for Christ podcast, and we'll be right back after this short break. Well, as we get ready to say goodbye here on another episode of the C-Suite for Christ podcast, boy, Hadi, just got to say thank you to Skip Reinke for sharing his words of wisdom, some good insight from a successful business executive for sure, but also somebody who, again, has learned from some previous mistakes, who is no longer living the life of chasing the dollar. And again, if we're honest with ourselves, we've all been there, but it's not too late to change course. So special thanks to Skip. If you want to learn more about his organization, check him out, Paragon Marketing Group in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, and they serve primarily, not always, but primarily faith-based organizations, world-class company. So yeah, as we get ready to say goodbye here, again, I just wanted to put on your radar here about two minutes or less. It is so easy to let money creep in because that's what this world glorifies. That's what this world promotes. You can't watch a TV show, a movie, listen to a song without money very quickly entering the public dialogue. And we start assuming money with happiness. Money provides my money provides a lifestyle for my family. If I have it, my family's happy. If I don't, they're not. Money allows me to do things with my business. It keeps me and my employees happy. When we have it, we're happy. When we don't, we're not. The thing is, you can't get money in happiness confused. Money will never buy happiness. You can just keep having it more and more and more and more and more and more until you get to the point where you look at it and you go, is that it? I have broken families now. I don't see my kids now. My spouse and I don't talk, but I, at least I have all this money. And plus, you're not going to be able to take it with you when God calls you home. But, it, but it's a common thing. A lot of us just make decisions based on money, go down certain paths based on money. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. God is our master. Money does not dictate whether we go to heaven or hell. The grace that God showed all of us by sacrificing his only begotten son to die on that cross for us, that dictates whether we go to heaven or hell, if you believe, if you accept it, and if you stay plugged in to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And one of the things that I found is I shared that story early on in the podcast about how I got my family to the brink of bankruptcy. I was bouncing payroll checks. That was the most miserable period in the history of my life, personally, professionally, spiritually, emotionally, because everything that I did was based on money accumulation. The decisions I made, the thoughts that I had, money, 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 money. Put God first, serve God. And it is amazing how that stuff will follow. When you do what God wants, when you let God use you, when you bring him into the conversation, when you make prayer a dialogue versus a monologue, and when you really sit and listen, be still and know that I am God. He will give you that clarity that you need. Now, life isn't going to be perfect. Life isn't always going to be easy, but you are going to find that when you put God first and you make him your master, it's just a much, much, much higher quality existence. 
We'd love for you to join the C-Suite for Christ community. Go and check our uh, check out our website. That is csuiteforchrist.com. Become an official member. Come to one of our monthly gatherings. Engage in the conversation on social media. But whatever you do, do something. And together, we're going to cover the world in Christ. I'm Paul M. Newberger, the founder of C-Suite for Christ. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on the C-Suite for Christ podcast. People everywhere are thirsting for Christ. Our goal is to cover the world in Christ using hope, encouragement, and God's nourishing words. We hope you'll join us. Please visit csuiteforchrist.com and come back soon for more conversations centered around God's endless love for us all. I saw you in my dreams before I came here. I will keep you in my dreams when I leave here. You're like one of a kind And my eyes light up when I think about you I won't forget you Life goes on and on